Good morning, everyone. You're listening to the award-winning program, Exceptional Women, on Magic 106.7. I'm your host, Sue Tab, and I'm here in studio this morning with Dr. Amy Commander. She is the medical director of the Auerbach Breast Cancer Center at Newton Wellesley Hospital. Dr. Commander also teaches at Harvard Medical School, counsels women who are at risk or have had a breast cancer diagnosis, and oh, in her spare time, she runs marathons. <laughs> Did I miss anything? <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is such an honor. Well, let's first talk about the Auerbach uh, Breast Center, because I want to talk a little bit about, you guys describe it as a multidisciplinary, patient-centered approach, and I want you to sort of explain what that means, because that's a really important piece. Right. I'm happy to discuss that. I think it's really important to first focus on our mission at Newton Wellesley Hospital, which is to treat and care for our patients and their families as we would a beloved family member. And we all know that there's nothing more scary than hearing you have cancer. Mm-hmm. So at the Auerbach Breast Center, our mission is to ensure that when we see a new patient, she feels well cared for and that when she comes to that first visit, she can see all of her specialists at one time mm-hmm. in a multidisciplinary clinic. So she doesn't have to come back on Monday to see the surgeon and on Tuesday to see the oncologist. We have a multidisciplinary clinic where a woman can see you know, the breast oncologist, a fellowship-trained breast surgeon, a radiation oncology specialist, and if she has other needs, like the need to see a genetic counselor or meet with our social worker, we can arrange for all of these visits in one setting to provide the best care possible. And I love that you have this multidisciplinary approach because I think one of the things um, people who have, have just heard those words need is to feel like they have a team of people rallying for them. I almost feel like it's like, we've got you. You know, whatever you need, we've got you. Whatever your family needs, we've got you. And I know that you also do clinical trials and things like that. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that are going on just in that world. I mean, what kind of milestones are we reaching? I know we're getting really better at sort of targeted therapies and things like that that really um, are specific to people's diagnosis. Can Can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. I'm so glad that you asked about clinical trials since these are so important in the field of oncology. Just to define clinical trials to make sure everyone understands what that means, these refer to research studies of new drugs or sometimes new combinations of drugs that already exist to try to find new and better ways to treat cancer. So specifically in breast cancer, we understand that breast cancer is not just one disease. There are many different subtypes of breast cancer with different with each with a different genetic makeup. So with clinical trials, our goal is to, you know, find the best way to treat each specific subtype of breast cancer. And I think we are making incredible strides over the past 25 years in terms of treating these different subtypes of breast cancer. So I want to ask you a little bit about your personal experience. Um, you look really young to me. People can't see you, but you're, you're a young woman, and uh, you're, you're pretty accomplished for, for, for your age. And I, I want to ask you, did you always know that you wanted to be a doctor ever since you were really little? Was this something that was a passion of yours? So I grew up in Savannah, Georgia, 
And my father is an internist. So ah. every night at the dinner table, we would hear his stories about his patients and their families or some incredible diagnosis that he made that nobody else thought of. And I can honestly tell you, my father has a true passion for medicine. And the best evidence for that is the fact that he just turned 75 and he is still working in his own solo practice. You're kidding. Full time, oh sees gosh. his patients in the hospital and does not have any plans to retire anytime soon. So I think I have a bit of my father in me. <laughs> yes, sounds like it. And I feel like, too, like it's not a job. When you're a doctor, it's not a job. It's a way of life because you kind of have to live, breathe, and eat it. I mean, it's you're doing research. You're seeing patients. Uh, you're getting – I'm sure you, you've done the on-call thing. It, it's a way of life, right? Um, I guess you would say that. I'm sure my kids would agree as well. <laughs> Speaking of, you have two – kids? Two children? Yeah, I have two children. Lily, age 11, who is an expert cupcake baker. Oh, yeah. And David, who is eight, and his claim to fame is last year he won the school's pie competition by memorizing over 130 digits of pie, and he got Stop to throw it. a pie oh, in his teacher's P- face. Uh, oh, so that's cool. So he's a, so is he a math whiz? Um, he loves math and robotics and things like Minecraft. He's like your typical eight-year-old kids. He'd yeah. probably be embarrassed that I just said that. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> so how do you balance everything you do with your family life? Because it's busy when you have two young kids and you're a doctor, and I'm sure you have outside interests as well. Like, what what do you do to sort of strike a balance? Yeah, my husband is a retina specialist at Mass Signier, so that oh, kind of that. adds to the craziness. <laughs> so I joke that often it feels like we're treading water and just trying to get through each day. You know, some days are better than others. I but think that's everybody, right? <laughs> we all try to make it look like we have it completely figured out and we have all the pieces in place. And when you really dig down, like all of us every day are just like throwing the balls up in the air and figuring out how to juggle them today. Absolutely. And I would say... It was a lot harder when the kids were younger, but now that they're eight and 11 and, you know, they're turning into their own people and I see that they're doing so well in school and they're doing well socially, it really makes me feel proud that somehow this juggling act is working out. Yeah. And you've done so well. Your education and training is so impressive. Yale School of Medicine, a residency at Beth Israel. I know you've worked at Mass General. Uh, You must be pretty proud of your accomplishments. Um, I've worked pretty hard, but yes, thank you so much. If you're just tuning in and joining us, you are listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Sue Tab, and this morning we are talking with Dr. Amy Commander. She's a breast cancer oncologist and the director of the Auerbach Breast Center at Newton Wellesley Hospital. We've been talking about approach to treatment, treatment options, and the other piece, the compassionate care. Let's get back to that part of the conversation. Um, talk, if you will, about the psychological aspect of getting a cancer diagnosis. You know, these are real people um, that are being diagnosed. They're not just patients. They're human beings. They have real feelings. They feel anger. They feel uncertainty about their future. Um, how do you address that piece of it? That is such a good question and such an important part of what I do every single day. Um, As we alluded to earlier, I think there's nothing more scary than being told you have cancer. And so when I see a new patient, my most important first step is to take their hand and let them know that I'm going to be with them every step of the way, that they're going to get the best possible care with the best specialists, certainly with access to amazing care at Newton Wellesley Hospital and You know, I just want to ensure that they feel comfortable from day one. We are also fortunate to have wonderful colleagues at Newton Wellesley, including a wonderful social worker and psychologist and access to psychiatry. So we ensure that we're addressing all of those needs in addition to treating the cancer. 
And Newton Wellesley has such a great reputation. I mean, people speak of it um, so highly. Uh, so it must be nice that the work that you're doing is within such a... How do they maintain that, would you say? Is it the tra- they just attract the best doctors in the area? Like, What is the key? Yeah, I've been so I've been at Newton Wellesley Hospital now since October 2016, and it's been a really wonderful opportunity for me so far. I've been very impressed with the colleagues that I've been working with, and I think it's just such a pleasant, wonderful work environment where everyone is so collegial and there's a lot of camaraderie, and I think that's why people stay there and it attracts outstanding doctors. I want to ask too about. Um you know, the, the connections that you make with patients. I'm sure that some patients uh, somehow touch you personally. Maybe it's a young mom who's, who's dealing with a cancer diagnosis. How do you deal with that personally and sort of separate yourself? I mean, you have to be compassionate on the one hand, but you also have to, in some ways, you know, understand that it's a doctor-patient relationship. Absolutely. And I would say in oncology, it often can be particularly difficult because we become so close to our patients Mm. and to their families and often to their children as well that sometimes it is very hard to separate, you know, our professional lives and personal lives when we we become so close to our patients. And, um, you know, I think it's just... You know, I have so many stories I could tell you, but I'm just thinking of one patient in particular that left um, a strong impression on me, and I think of her often and her family often. And, you know, she had young children close in age to my children and a loving husband. And, you know, she did go through a really rough time with her disease, and we did everything we could to treat her effectively and aggressively as we could and maintain her quality of life. And, you know, I, I just think of her often and you know, I will acknowledge that it is hard sometimes to separate personal and professional in this job. And I want to talk a little bit about um, the challenges that you have in this particular field uh, dealing with, with breast cancer. You know, what would you say are the biggest challenges right now that you deal with as professionals right. in the field? I mean, I first should say that we have made incredible s- strides in treating breast cancer over the past 25 years. For example, there's been a 40% decline in death rates from breast cancer. So that's wow, huge. Wow, that's a big yes, number. Yes, that was reported by the American Cancer Society last year. So that's very exciting. But obviously, we still have a lot of work to do. Unfortunately, we still know that Each year, so many of our patients will die from breast cancer. And so we're still always trying to find new treatments. And that's, again, getting back to the importance of clinical trials because we're always searching for better treatments to, you know, help our patients with advanced breast cancer in particular. Yeah. And what about the, what are you most proud of in terms of the milestones that you've seen during your career, the most recent ones? Right. So there's been, as I mentioned, there's so many different subtypes of breast cancer. Breast cancer is not just one disease. And just picking one specific subtype called HER2-positive breast cancer, Mm -hmm. Um, just in the past few years since I finished my training, we have all of these new drugs that are specifically um, designed to target HER2-positive breast cancers, which have significantly improved outcome for women with this type of disease, which is about 15% of all breast cancer. So that's been really exciting just in the past five to 10 years to see these amazing developments. Something in particular that I'm also just proud of at Newton Wellesley is that, um, you know, as you can imagine, for patients going through chemo, losing hair is like a major bummer. Of course. And yes. nobody wants to go through that. Right. And something that has been really interesting lately is the use of scalp cooling technology, which can help reduce hair loss in many women going through chemotherapy. And when I started at Newton Wellesley, that was something really important to me to help, 
you know, address this issue for my patients. And we worked with a company called Paxman to get their scalp cooling machines for our cancer center. And we got them in October. And I am proud to say we were the first center in Massachusetts to offer this to our patients. So that's been wonderful and a huge draw for many women. Of course, because I feel like, I mean, it's a self-esteem thing. You know, women, uh, we spend a lot of time on our hair and, you know, a lot of us, you're used to looking in the mirror and seeing yourself a certain way, and then you have to shave your head. And, and, and that is a huge, huge deal. And I think that it's wonderful that you can help because – and it also draws attention to the fact that you're undergoing treatment. And some women are very private, and now they have to – you know, and it's like, oh, you know, are you sick? So I think that that's huge. Yeah, so and does it work – like what percentage of people does it work for? Is it so, certain diagnoses? Yeah, so I should clarify. So the scalp cooling technology that we're using with this company called Paxman, so they will quote that it can help reduce about hair loss about 50, by about 50%. So it doesn't work 100%, but although still. certainly for some of my patients I can say it's definitely been even – been very effective. It works the best with certain type of chemotherapy regimens. It doesn't work with every type of chemotherapy regimen. So I think it's important for a patient to speak with her doctor specifically about what regimen she would be receiving to determine whether or not this technology would help her or not. So it doesn't work for everything, but certainly we may be able to, you know, learn more about how to preserve hair with other regimens as as we do further research in this area. How close are we getting realistically to a cure? I mean, people talk about it all the time. Will, will we see one in our lifetime? I mean, we've made huge advances. There's, there's no doubt about that. We're in a much better place than we even were 20 or 30 years ago. Um, but are we getting close? I, I do. I would love in my lifetime to never have to see another breast cancer patient again because everyone's cured. That would be absolutely wonderful. But then and you have no job. It's <laughs> okay. I'll find something else to do. But um, certainly I think we are making incredible strides. As I just noted over the past 25 years, the death rates have gone down by 40%. Who knows what will happen over the next 25 years? So I'm really optimistic. Certainly I have so many amazing colleagues, both at Newton-Wellesley and the MGH Cancer Center, doing such incredible research pushing this field forward that I'm very optimistic for the future. If you're just waking up and tuning in, thanks for listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Sue Tab, and this morning we are talking with Dr. Amy Commander, director of the Auerbach Breast Center at Newton Wellesley Hospital. We've been discussing the research milestones, challenges, and about some of Dr. Commander's personal accomplishments. Let's continue. Speaking of personal accomplishments, you run marathons on top of everything else, and I kind of am taking an issue with this because I really feel inferior when I'm sitting next to you because I can't run. Well, I could run a 5K. That's about it. How many marathons have you run? Well, I am training for Boston this year, again, for charity. And this will be number nine, but it'll be my fifth Boston. Are you serious? Oh, my gosh. So you must run every – do you run every day? Um, I don't run every day, but I try to run at least four to five days a week. So – what does running do for you? Is it a stress release for you? Is it to keep in shape, a little of both? I would like to say that I run primarily for my physical health, but I can honestly say it's also for my mood. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's really important. Um, just I feel like each morning when I get up, I need to do something for myself, and it's really important to help me get through my day. So is it in the morning that you run? Yeah, usually before work. If I try to do it after work, it would never happen. Yeah, I know. You're too tired. Now it's just family time, right? Okay, let's talk a little bit about... Um, Something that people would be surprised to learn about you. Is there something that, that you'd like to share? 
Well, I do have a pretty busy schedule, so I don't really have that much time to watch TV. But my husband and I do enjoy watching Game of Thrones. Ah, and oh, well, our producer Kendra I can see is that. a big Game of Thrones <laughs> fan, so you have something in common And there. my favorite character is Daenerys Targaryen, who is another exceptional woman who should be on this show. <laughs> That's true. Kendra, she's a big Game of Thrones. If someone were to describe the kind of doctor you are, what would you love to hear come out of their mouth? Other than, I mean, not just about about all of you as a person, about, you know, your education, about the way you interact with the patients. What would you want to hear them say? Yeah, um, it's always wonderful to hear comments from, you know, a colleague or someone I bump into who knows one of my patients who maybe shares a story of what one of my patients said about me. And just hearing, you know, that they think that i showing compassion, that I'm going to bat for them, that I will do anything to provide the utmost care for them. I think those are the kinds of comments that I love to hear from my patients. And it does make me feel very grateful that I've been able to make such an important impact in their lives. What do you hope that your kids learn from you? You and your husband are both doctors. You're both caregivers. Uh, You've both dedicated a lot of your time and energy to your professions, to your education first and then your professions. What do you hope the takeaway is for them? Um, I think our kids, since they see how hard my husband and I work, they recognize that it really requires passion and dedication, for example, to pursue a career in medicine. And I feel like my husband and I are both very dedicated to our jobs and have a real sense of purpose and fulfillment from our jobs. And I think that's a key thing I'd like them to take away from what when they watch us every day is that when they grow up and figure out what they're going to do with their lives, finding something very meaningful that gives them an important sense of purpose. Is there anybody that's been a role model to you throughout the years, a doctor, colleague, anybody that you're like, uh, this person is somebody that I want to, you know, keep by my side? I've been fortunate through my, you know, jobs over these past few years and through medical training to have so many wonderful and outstanding role models. Um, I probably would still have to say my father was my first role model. Again, mm-hmm. just picture him. He's still going to work every day in his, know, in his 70s amazing. and loves it and has no signs of slowing down. Um, so I'm fortunate to have had him as my first role model as a doctor. Yeah. Anything on your bucket list, personally or professionally, things that you still want to do? I mean, you're young. You still have plenty of time, but... So there's certainly many things at work that I'm excited to do. One area that I'm particularly interested in is cancer survivorship. We know in 2018 that there are 3 million women living in the United States who have had a diagnosis of breast cancer. And, you know, through the various treatments, there are all kinds of potential health conditions we need to look out for. And so we need to optimize their care and improve their quality of life. So that's an area that I'm really interested in working on and focusing on both at Newton Wellesley, you know, and and beyond. And then secondly, if, in terms of a personal bucket list, my husband was laughing at me last night when we were talking about this idea, but I would love to go to India for a yoga retreat. Really? He may not come with me, but maybe someday. Yeah. So do you do yoga on a regular basis? I mean, I try. I'm not very good at it, but I try. Yeah. And you'd actually go and go where they really know what they're doing over there. Someday. <laughs> Someday. Hopefully I can convince someone to go with me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much of, of your personal accomplishments, your professional accomplishments, the work at Newton Wellesley, the Hourback Breast Center. It, it, it's amazing. And we really appreciate your time. And, and we're so happy. to. I'm happy as a breast cancer survivor knowing that people like you are in our corner. So thank great. you so much. Thank you.
I want to thank you, Dr. Commander, for sharing your perspective, your expertise, and even a little of your personal life with us today. Your work in the field of breast cancer treatment and care is paramount to so many, and we appreciate all you do in the pursuit of creating positive outcomes for patients. We wish you the best of luck as you continue to change the landscape for future generations. It's been my pleasure to have Dr. Amy Commander in studio today. I'm Sue Tab, and I want to thank all of you at home for listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. We talk to all kinds of women, CEOs and authors and celebrities, but we also talk to teens and your next-door neighbor and the person who is just quietly making things happen. Being exceptional is about having a story or a mission or even just a dream. So let us know if you know someone like that. Email us, go to magic1067.com, click on Exceptional Women, and then join me every Sunday morning at 730. 